Here we go. You're listening to Rumination Tuesday Law and Gospel. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. With me will be Pastor Mark Smith. And what we're going to be looking at as is the hymn, Let Me Be Thine Forever. So let's listen to it. was a hymn written by Nicholas Selnecker. Now, who's Nicholas Selnecker? Actually, he was born three years after the Reformation started in 1517. He was born in 1530. He lived till 1592. And he became a real Lutheran leader in electoral Saxony, which culminated in his contributions to the composition of the Formula of Concord. That's part of the Book of Concord, uh, the Lutheran Confessions. He served as a parish pastor 
and pastoral superintendent of churches in several places, and during his time as a university professor, wrote commentaries for pastors to use in their preaching and catechetical materials and other aids for cultivating piety on the congregational level. He illustrates a Lutheran tradition of combining great theological skills with a practical sense for the needs of the congregation, just as Martin Luther did with his literary and poetic writings. Schnellnaker draws the one who sings this hymn into an intimate conversation with God, confessing the desire to belong to the one who is God and Lord and who is typified fundamentally by his faithfulness because his faithfulness creates and renews our faithfulness. This is the hymn of the day for proper five, which I think we need to explain. Do we not, Pastor Smith? What is proper five? Oh boy, no, you got me there. I can't. I, I I can't really answer that question easily. But I will say this: this is a hymn I I dearly remember, uh, and I think one reason why it's it's placed at this time of the year is because it's often used as a graduation hymn or a confirmation hymn. I, I'm sure I had it either in my eighth grade confirmation service really? or, uh, or graduation. Well, after the tremendous festivals we've had, beginning with, of course, Holy Week, Good Friday, Easter, then the Ascension, then Pentecost, then Trinity, we begin the season of Pentecost, and that's what is meant by what week it is. You, you take a look at the dates, and in fact, there are two other Pentecost Sundays in other years when Easter falls earlier that we're not doing. So right. we're going to what's called the second Sunday after us and taking a look at the readings of Hosea, Romans, and Matthew. I think, it's so called, I, I think it's called Proper Five, isn't it, Tom? Yes, that's right. Yeah, right. So we're, uh, next week will be Proper Six and Proper Seven throughout the season of Pentecost to the end of the church year when we begin then with Advent. So the church year is different than the calendar year. Right. I think yeah, you're always... correct in talking about let me be thine forever as a good confirmation hymn at the end. So without further ado, will you do stanza one, please? Okay, gladly. Let me be thine forever, my faithful God and Lord. Let me forsake thee never, nor wander from thy word. Lord, do not let me waver, but give me steadfastness, and for such grace forever thy holy name I'll bless. So how are we 
gods forever. Well, because uh, if we, uh, you know, one of the other verses, uh, well, verse the verse uh, somewhere no, in this no, here from this verse, from this verse. Okay, let me be thine forever. Uh, let me forsake thee never nor wander from thy word. We, we pray, in this hymn we're praying for that God would give us faithfulness and steadfastness so that to be thou faithful unto death, and I will give unto thee the crown of life. And uh, if, if we're faithful unto death, uh, thanks be to the Holy Spirit, uh, we'll be his forever, and we'll live but with him what forever. what is our faithfulness unto death dependent upon? Uh, God keeping us in that faithfulness. It's it. He's the the Holy Spirit. Uh, we're told in the Scripture, the Holy Spirit will keep us in the one true faith. Yes, the the point I'm trying to find is what the verse actually says. Let me be thine forever, my faithful God and Lord. That's why we are to be faithful, because He's faithful to us. Right. That's absolutely right. Yes. Not because we're not forsaking his word. The reason we don't forsake his word is because we know he is a faithful God and Lord. That's right. It hinges it our salvation hinges upon his faithfulness, we, which we know is excellent. Is, is uh, very sure. Yes. In fact, that is really what Exodus says at the beginning of the commandments. A lot of people, when they read the commandments, and I'm doing adult instruction again, is I often say, why did God give us the commandments? And by and large, people will say, so we know how to obey him to be saved. No, that's not Christianity. Exodus 20 doesn't say that at all. Do we recall how that begins, Exodus 20? Let's see. I, the Lord, thy God, I the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of, my fathers upon, uh, of thy fathers upon the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, but showing, but showing uh, what? Mercy. Mercy and peace to all them that love me and keep my commandments. Yes. The first part of Exodus is, I am the Lord your God. Right. Therefore, these are the commandments that you spontaneously follow. That's when right. I am the Lord your God. You don't have other gods. You don't take my name in vain. You remember the Sabbath day. You honor your father and mother over whom I have put you. You will not murder, you will not steal, etc. Yes. This this is really an important understanding of the Ten Commandments that originally was really something that the people would follow if they understood God to be faithful. But they didn't. And therefore the Ten Commandments became law in accusing them of failing to believe the promise of God, which was, I'll be faithful to you. Yes. Yeah, our, obedi our obedience of those Ten Commandments, imperfect though it may be, flows 
as you said, spontaneously from God-given faith, from from faithfulness, which which God Himself has uh, has begun in us already at our baptism, and as He continues to keep us in the faith. Well said. Well said. So, let me forsake thee never, nor wander from thy word. What happens when we do wander from his word? Oh, God help us. Because uh, if we wander from his word, uh, that's when our, our real trouble begins. No, we want, we want him to keep us always faithful to his word in, in every regard. And then, of course, we make mistakes. We stumble and fall. And uh, we may drift away at times, from, uh, maybe one or more times in our, in our life. And uh, thankfully, he restores us. We hear the gospel, and uh, it's so important that we stay faithful in his word. When we do waver, according to this verse, yeah. what does God give us to return us to him? Well, we pray that he do that he does not let us waver, but gives us steadfastness. And what is and, that? Uh, what was the question, Tom? What is steadfastness? Firmness. Which means, when we do waver, we firmly announce it in the act of repentance. Exactly, right. And he absolves us for our sin and uh, our instability and restores us through the power of his Holy Spirit, through his word. And that's what the last line says. And for such grace forever, thy holy name I'll bless. Now, that's kind of interesting Normally, if you talk about blessings, these are gifts we receive from God. How do we bless God? Oh, we, we, I would say by worshiping him. Yes. By giving him thanks. Yep. In fact, the liturgy makes it very clear as to what we mean by blessing God. If you take a look at the various uh, readings, like uh, we have how many divine services? About four of them we can follow. And uh, this is where we sing. For example, the pastor says, in peace let us pray to the Lord, and then the blessings begin. For the peace from above and for our salvation. For the peace of the whole world. For the well-being of the church of God. For the unity of all. For this holy house. And for all who offer here their worship and praise. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. So that's how we bless the Lord, in thankfulness for these wonderful blessings that he has given us. That is okay. right. All righty. Stanza two, please. 
Okay. Uh, you know, it's interesting, Tom, uh, that the one, the the first verse speaks of, I think, God the Father, as well as as well as God the Son, because uh, Jesus says himself, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And then uh, the second verse talks specifically about Jesus, God the Son, and the third verse uh, more specifically about the Holy Spirit. So I'll go ahead with the stanza two. Lord Jesus, my salvation, my light, my life divine, my only consolation, oh, make me wholly thine. For thou hast dearly bought me with blood and bitter pain. Let me, since thou hast sought me, eternal life obtain. Yeah, there are a number of things that children may not understand. For example, what does it mean, my only consolation? My only comfort. Yes. He's our only comfort, especially in in times of great need. Um I happened to hear a discussion of another hymn on KFUO just yesterday evening where they were, let's see, they were talking about um, Abide With Me and uh, how that could be a a hymn that we reflect upon as we approach death. And when we approach death, of course, you know, we're, we're, we're lacking in comfort on the basis of our own ability. And uh, it, it, it's only God who can really give us comfort at, at times such as approaching death or a, a great loss, either a loss of a loved one in our family or the loss of home and job. And so really sometimes our only consolation, our only comfort is Jesus. And, his, and we know he's always there. He's our truest friend. He will never leave. He says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And uh, he's, he, it's his promises that we can always depend upon. Yes. And how do we know that we are wholly his? How do we know we are wholly his? Well, we, I always go back to my baptism. Yeah, that, you, you, you go back to the baptism. You go back to his promises in the word and also also, the, the fact that we, he has given us his own body and blood for, for forgiveness, life, and salvation, uh, that's how we know we're wholly his. He's called that's us. exactly what the second verse says. Mm-hmm. Oh, make me wholly thine, for thou hast dearly bought, bought me, me with blood and bitter pain. Right. Now, how do we understand that Jesus has bought us. He's atoned. He's atoned for all of our sins. He's brought us back. He's brought us back from sin, death, and the devil. We are now his. Um, He's atoned for our sins. He created us to begin with, but we turned our back on him by falling into sin. Well, he's won us back from Satan's clutches. Well said. So with blood and bitter pain, and then it says, let me, since thou hast sought me. What parable does that remind you of? Let me, since thou hast sought me. Uh, I think of, uh, he has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and keeps me in the one true faith. 
He has sought me. He's well. Well, another thing, Tom, is I recall the uh, the parable of the lost sheep. Yeah, that's the lost coin. The lost son. The uh, Luke. What is that? Luke sixteen. Fifteen. Luke fifteen. Yes. Yeah, all three are identical, with the lost sheep being found by Jesus and carried home, the coin being fall, found by the woman, and, of course, the lost son who is found by the father and restored to sonship. That's what's happened to you and me, and that's why eternal life we obtain. So you mentioned the third verse is about the Holy Spirit. Would you read that one, please? Okay. And thou, O Holy Spirit, my comforter and guide, grant that in Jesus' merit I always may confide, him to the end confessing, whom I have known by faith. Give me thy constant blessing and grant a Christian death. Yes. Now, we've already said that Jesus is our consolation. How is the Holy Spirit our comforter? Well, let's see. I know this. Uh, that's, that's what he's called in God's word, is our yes. comforter. And uh, Jesus, of course, you know, that's, they're all, all three persons of the Godhead. And, of course, they, they all do some of the same things. And uh, just as Jesus is our comfort, uh, so is his Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus said, I will send the comforter to you. Uh, but he told that to his disciples before he uh, was ascended. Yeah, I think it's, I will send another comforter. That Good. he is Good the point. one. And then the Holy Spirit is a second. Now, it's interesting. I read an article where the point of Jesus is to give glory and honor to the Father. What's the point of the Holy Spirit? Uh, to, uh, to always point us toward Christ. Very uh, good. You know, this is one of the failings, I think, of the so-called neo-Pentecostal movement. Uh, you know, they stress the Holy Spirit again and again. The Holy Spirit does this, the Holy Spirit does that, which, which some of that, of course, is true. But Jesus says, I will send the Holy Spirit and he will testify of me. Uh, the Holy Spirit always uh, gives glory to Christ and testifies of his, uh, of his gospel. Yes, it says, grant that in Jesus' merit, I always may confide, even though it's talking about the Holy Spirit. What is the merit of Jesus? The mer well, his, his, uh, his redemptive act, his work of salvation. He has yes. done it all. It's uh, we call that divine monergism. It's not. It's not synergism. We haven't worked together with him. He has accomplished it all for us. His his uh, saving act. That's a really good point you make, that Jesus alone is the one who truly has saved us. The Father did not die on the cross, nor did the Holy Spirit, but both, both of them point to this merit of Jesus that we can always confide in. 
because of the words that Jesus said from the cross. Uh, for example, the one he says, Father, what does he say oh, about forgiveness? Father, for, Father, forgive them for they know not what yes, they do. Exactly. And that and, prayer is answered by the Father because we don't know what we're doing when we sin. We, we think we're just having a happy life when in reality we're joining with Satan, as did Adam and Eve, against God the Father. So the way to get around that, to confide, is him to the end confessing. Now, we have three creeds. What are they? Uh, the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, and the Athanasian Creed, which is the longest one, uh, which we, uh, we traditionally confess that on uh, Trinity Sunday. Yeah, that's what we did this past Sunday, uh, confess the Athanasian Creed. I did something different. Half of the creed is just about the Trinity and right. explanation. It's not really sermon material. It's more Bible study material. But then the last half of the creed is about Jesus, which is sermon material. And so when we read it, I would read the first verse, the women the second, the men the third, until we got to the last half of the creed when we all read it together. And I was trying to make the point, therefore, how important the Athanasius Creed is in regard to Jesus Christ. Right. So did you have the Athanasian Creed where uh, you did worship Sunday? Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, and we read the whole creed together, all of it. Yeah. Yeah. I've done it different ways. Uh, sometimes I'll read it uh, alternate, alternatively, verse by verse. I'll sing. I'll uh, say the first, and then the congregation the second, and then me the third. That we I've done it that way. But uh, this last Sunday we read it all together. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you for very much giving us insights into "Let Me Be Thine Forever." Never thought of it as a confirmation hymn. Uh, very good. So on tomorrow's Law and Gospel, we're going to be looking at the. Athanasian Creed. So join Law and Gospel as we talk about that. Until then, God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check out to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO. Do you call your grandson when online bill pay is the only option? 
Are you nervous that you will make a mistake when using a computer so you avoid using them completely? Maybe you would like to be better connected to friends and family from afar, but you don't know where to start when it comes to reliable internet. Free help is available so you can unlock the power of technology. Find a tech coach in your area at digitalequity.missouri.org. No need to type www, just digitalequity.missouri.org. Brought to you by MoreNet.